he is trying to associate her with Trump in Extreme MAGA. And I don't see her as that. And she no. actually took a little heat the other day from, from far-right individuals because she said where she's at in the presidential, she said Trump is not above the law. And if he is the Republican nominee, she said she would support him if there's no, if he's not convicted of other crimes and stuff. So she kept saying he's not above the law and their far right groups are hitting her on it and just trashing her. Which is crazy. I mean, listen, Trump is not above the law. No one is above the law. Welcome to Political Contessa. I'm Jennifer Nassor, and this show is here to support your interest in center-right politics, policy, and breaking news. Listen in and discover how to awaken your inner ideal candidate and, if you're ready, how you can jump in and change the world as a runner or a supporter. Welcome to Political Contessa. If you or a friend have ever considered running or you know a woman who should, I've got something just for you. My quick guide called Secrets from the Campaign Trail. It will show you five signs to tell you you're ready to enter the political arena. To get these tips and learn about all new podcast episodes and ways to get involved, head over to politicalcontessa.com. Hello, and welcome to Political Contessa. This is Jennifer Nassor, and I am your political Contessa. So I'm taking a break from uh, presidential politics right now, just a little bit of a slight break for this episode, because I'm bringing back my good friend, political commentator, and another person who I think is, if the political world doesn't work out for us, we are going to start a um, comedy routine together. So I have Nason Bloomer with me here today, my favorite comedian in residence in politics for this stuff. Nasa, welcome back to Political Contessa. Thanks for having me back again. <laughs> I, I, I'm loving the comedian part. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'll add that to my resume. <laughs> yeah, no, I honestly, I think if this whole stuff, if this doesn't work out for us, then we should just go and start some sort of comedian routine yeah. based off of current events. I think it would be perfect. Oh, I, I'm all for it. I mean, it's just like, you don't see any, any, there are no female guest hosts out there. It's all like Jimmy Kimmel and Stephen Colbert. And it's just like, you know what, whatever. I'm just as funny as these bozos. No, they're, I, <laughs> I think funnier. I actually think <laughs> and better informed. <laughs> Probably, but you know, but they're, they're still really good. I, I actually met Jimmy Kimmel in 2016 on my birthday he was actually at martin's tavern in in georgetown because he was in town for they were honoring bill murray at the kennedy center i think it was the mark twain award or something but he was there and i like oh my god this is so cool but he was he's actually really nice in person so i don't have a bad word yeah no no he's he's funny but i i don't think that anyone has the political shit down as well as we do right like i mean we we have so much content between the two of us and things that are funny that go on that it's like that can't actually happen no it's real life it's real life beep it it absolutely is yeah yeah maybe snl wants to hire us (laughs) well you know what we're we're, i mean i'm available so i I, i'm all for it and i mean if tina fey takes over from lord michaels like fellow pennsylvanian call me 
<laughs> All right. So today I am breaking away from the presidential political side, which just keeps it's like Donald Trump is the gift that keeps on giving because for my my political comedy routine, I mean, it's just you can't make this shit up. But we also have a special election going on in a place that has a a special part in my heart on Long Island. So New York three in the congressional district for the replacement of your former boss. So yay. (laughs) So I have the distinct pleasure of knowing who Tom Swazi is. He's the Democrat. He has been in office like as long as Joe Biden. He's basically been in office as long as I can remember and has been back and forth in different things that he has done throughout his career. And he is running for his old congressional district, which he ran against George Santos. He beat him the first time. And then he ran against second time. Santos beat him the second time. And now Swazi wants it back again. So let's go. <laughs> Where do we begin? I mean, yes, he does want the seat back, but I think it was more the way he has spoken is that the Democrat Party wanted to pull him back in and run again. And it's just, I almost want to say to him, it doesn't sound great when they're literally saying, no, we're desperate. Please come back, even though we don't really want you but you're going because you have name recognition we want you to take the seat back and i think that's a it's an insult especially to the democrats who are who were there was a handful of them lining up to run against santos before tom swazi had even decided to come back into it so insult there and best of luck which i'm sure and i i know we're still less than we're less than two weeks away until february 13th special election, but it's a lot. I don't want to say a lot can happen between now and then, but it's already polls are kind of indicating that he'll likely lock this in for a Democrat victory, which will make the Republican majority slimmer than slim. So yeah, it's interesting. I mean, watching the debate, not debate between the two of them. And so I'll let you speak to her a little bit, but Mm -hmm. Swazi sounds Number one, Swazi sounded like Biden. The only reason I'm running for president again is because Trump is running. Mm-hmm. It, it's not a very compelling argument as to why you should be elected to office and represent people. Oh, I got pulled back in or this person is running, so I have to do it. Um, but he did in his debate that he did, um, again, debate, not debate. He sounded a lot more moderate than I think I've ever heard him sound. Mm-hmm. And and the things that he was saying in, in trying to get people to sit down and think a different way and took a little bit of a hit on Biden and definitely a hit hitting Trump and but definitely moderating his stance, which is basically what the district looks like because it's some Queens and some Long Island and it's mm-hmm. more, it's educated. It's, it's one of the more affluent districts in the nation. And so it, it his views are definitely representing that area. But I feel like that's a big swing to the middle for him from where he has been in the past. Yeah, I actually had a chance to look through like his voting record from when he was previously in office. And I will give him credit for the fact he has taken the temperature of the mood of the district by itself and not really like talking so much about George Santos, but what is actually being faced on Long Island right now. And so, yes, he has kind of, He's 
campaigning on being a I'm a I'm a moderate Democrat. I have worked with Republicans. I reach across the aisle all the time. And I think it is good that he is he's not afraid to criticize President Biden. And and I think he again, he sees what the actual problems are. And I, some of the, the top issues that are really concerning constituents on, in New York three include immigration, the economy, and of course, the state and local tax, which, again, this was not a victory for New Yorkers last night when the House voted on the tax bill, because you have members like Mike Lawler, Nicola Loda, and Anthony Desposito, who are big on salt. And when they didn't see salt relief, that was a big problem for them for why they did not vote for it. So again, Swazi can, he's been campaigning on it. But at the same time, and the one thing that really bothered me when he did that, like, debate, non-debate issue, when he was asked about George Santos, and he said, well, I ran against him. And I looked at the polls, and it just, this guy was not serious. I didn't feel the need to do any research. And I thought, you know what, that right there, and if I were Mozzie Pillup right now, I would, or not even her, but the NRCC, any of them, should be hitting Tom Swazi on this because that right there was pure ignorance. And that just says you did not take your race or your seat or anything seriously. And, and that to me just says you actually, I don't think you deserve to go back to Congress just because you felt the need not to research your opponent. And I just, it's ignorant. Absolutely. I agree. That, that, that is, that was completely offensive, right? Like you, you, well, because he took it for granted. He took for yes. granted that he was an incumbent and he didn't have to do anything and he could get elected again. And that is a slap in the face to democracy. It's a slap in the face to the constituency. And, and to, and by the way, part of your job as a candidate is to, have someone do that background check on your opponent to know who you're running against. And that, I I mean, it's laziness and it's, and it's arrogance. Yeah, it definitely, it just confirmed a laziness and an arrogance with him. And that's why you have a political director or a communications director. And if you can't afford that, then that's where you have, Oh, he can afford it. (laughs) Right. I'm just saying that if if you can't for any other race, this is where you have state parties and, the NRCC or the DCCC to do the job for you and to provide you with this kind of information. And one thing I had tweeted out the other night when I had said that was so ignorant, he threw it. I thought it was such a pot shot. He blamed everyone but himself. And he said, and I do blame Robert Zimmerman for not doing the research on Santos in 2022. But at the end of the day, he ran, Santos ran in 20. Swazi chose not to do it, but he said, well, the Democrats failed. The, the Republicans failed. The press failed. Yes, it was a collective failure in allowing Santos to slip through the cracks. But let's start with the person who ran against him the first time. And it, it, to me, that just screams a lack of accountability right there. And I think he's forgotten that there are he even had a few New York colleagues who lost in primaries to people like AOC. And because of ignorance. And I think of Eric Cantor back in 2014. Mm. Yes, these were safe, comfortable districts. And this is what happens when you do not take a primary or a general election seriously. You will eventually lose. Yep, exactly. All right. So I'm still hopeful that this can turn around and that 
Mozzie can win it. I think it's kind of funny, Mozzie versus Swazi. <laughs> she's very interesting. She's mm-hmm. she's smart. She's a she's a county legislator. And I actually, full disclosure, I had worked for the Nassau County Legislature when it first came into existence many, many moons ago. And I know Bruce Blakeman, the county executive. He was actually the presiding officer of the legislature when I was there and super long time ago. But so she is a legislator. I thought what was really phenomenal in her debate, non-debate, that she is still a registered Democrat. Yeah. And that's confusing to me. I'm like, like, wait a minute. Hang on. You're still a registered Democrat. You, You clearly possess Republican principles. Where in this entire timeline did you choose? You should have chosen to switch parties at some point. It's not that hard. And I to say I'm going to do it if I'm once I win that's great, but it's just, there are still enough voters out there who, if they see a, her name and they see the D next to it, they're like, well, I don't vote for Democrats. Some people are just like, I just vote straight Republican if I just see an R by a person's name. So that could be very confusing to someone who may be just a newbie voter for this, for this race, because they're going to see name recognition versus the, a, a new person coming into the fold here, even though I don't want to say she doesn't have name recognition because she is a legislator. And I think that is such a crucial and helpful thing for her because being a local legislator, people are going to know who you are. And that can give her a leg, that gives her a leg up versus say someone like George Santos, who was, no one knew who he was when he entered into the scene. And how'd that work out? Not great. <laughs> not- <laughs> Not so great. Not great. I mean, yeah. his, uh, his cameo prices are down. So the plus <laughs> side is that Bidenomics is working. So congratulations to President Biden on that. So the $500 cameo is now down to three fifty. I think. Oh, my God. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. That guy. We're just he's just going to be the butt of our jokes forever. <laughs> but... <laughs> anyway, so, OK, so Mozzie is a mom of seven kids. I like what she has to say about the border and why that's important to women. It's something that I keep talking about when it comes to national politics, when it comes to the presidential, is we see what's going on over the border and it's atrocious and we should all be concerned about it. Here in Massachusetts, they actually just took away a rec center in a, in a, yes, in actually Molina Cass Rec Center in Roxbury, Massachusetts. The state took it over kicked out the children that use it all winter long. And by the way, this is an area for you guys listening far, far away. It's an area that is a tough area. It's a tough neighborhood and they need a rec center. These kids actually benefit from it, but it can house up to 400 people. And the state basically came in by eminent domain and said, it's ours and we are going to house the migrants who have been sleeping at Logan Airport and put them over there. So think about this. It's a tough neighborhood to begin with. Now you put people that you have absolutely no background checks on. You have nothing, you know nothing about. You're putting them into this area and you're kicking out kids who really need programs that are run out of this rec center. It is such an absolute disaster. And so what she says about the border really resonates with me. Mm -hmm. We have to shut the border right now figure out what we're doing with the people that are here and then kind of go back and, and 
figure out the border situation, right? But like the border needs to be closed until we could get a hold on who's here. What do we do with them? Are they leaving? Are they saying, are they, wh- where are they going? Right. I, I think that that is super important. The m- fact she's a mom of seven kids makes her have a different perspective on, on what is going on in society. Her view on abortion, I think is really interesting. She doesn't take the the platform that the hard right takes. She mm-hmm. takes more of a moderated stance on the abortion issue. And, and so I think she's a very interesting candidate. I cannot wrap my head around the fact that she is a registered Democrat. It's like oh. everything that she was talking about, how she votes on taxes and, and the things that she's concerned about and coming here as an immigrant. I mean, the whole thing, she just, she sounds like a Republican. She sounds like a moderate Republican. She sounds like someone who could be representing Long Island and and the the eastern parts of Queens. I just I'm I'm really I, I find it I find it really fascinating, but I could understand that the electorate is really confused how the Republican Party put up George Santos, didn't check into his background, and now has a, a Democrat who's running as a Republican but still as a Democrat. What the hell is going on out there in Nassau County? <laughs> I know. It's like what yeah, literally what the hell, but also and I do agree. I think she has a very interesting story. The more I've gotten to to read about her and I and I will give her this. I do say think about this timeline of and my biggest gripe with this special election. The timing of it is just abysmal because Think about it. George Santos was formally expelled from the House of Representatives on Friday, December 1st. That's December 1st. Governor Hochul has officially 10 days to announce the date of the special election, which she does in a pretty, I would say she did it within, I think, a couple days. So she determines the date. The county party chairs for, for the Democrat side, they've already selected Tom Swazi as their candidate. He's already out there doing the media circles. By mid-December, they final the GOP finally announces Mazi as the um, as the candidate. This is December. Everyone's thinking about holiday shopping, travel, everything under the sun. Not forming a campaign, forming and figuring out what her issues are, where she stands on everything, and it's just been this rapid fire challenge for her to do this all in December, go into January, and just making the rounds in such a short amount of time. And I mean, have I been critical of the fact like, where is this woman? Why does she have so many surrogates? But I keep thinking she has until February 13th and you you have to give the woman credit. And she's a very serious and she's a, she's a very devout Jewish woman who observes Shabbat. So that should have been the first indicator with George Santos. For someone who was Jewish, Right. <laughs> he campaigned on Saturday from what uh, my former coworker had said to me because we were like, wow, uh, if, he's like, I wish I would have figured that out if we campaigned on Saturdays and he should have been observing Shabbat. Exactly. So, exactly. Um, that should have been that should have been a red flag right there. That should have been a giant red flag mm-hmm. right there. So. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I think she's. She's made a lot of progress and I, I don't like to criticize her for this because I think her biggest challenge was time. Right. And so. And, yeah, it's fast. Special elections are tough. They're very tough. And very, very I tough. mean, Swazi has, listen, he's been county executive. He's been a, he's been a, whatchamacallit, a member of Congress. What else? Mm-hmm. 
He's been, I mean, he's been around for like failed I said, gubernatorial candidate. <laughs> his name recognition is extraordinary, right? Whether it's good or bad, but it go back to the old Lindsay Lohan, Paris Hilton days of any, any press is good press. I mean, so whatever it is about Tom Swazi, you know who he is for her. I mean, unless you are, I mean, and the Nassau County legislature, they, they, they are very present. They, it is a very big, powerful body. Her constituents know who she is, but is it enough time to get out past that? And again, you have to get over the, of a couple of facts, right? So you have to get over the fact that yes, it is the middle of winter. You had a special election that was called right before the holidays into the holidays. You have to get over the fact that Republicans right now, one, you had George Santos, who was a Republican, who, you know, was was ousted in in disgrace from Congress. You have to get over the fact that Donald Trump just cannot control himself and is is presenting himself as I mean, it's not even the head of the Republican Party. It's the head of MAGA. But then you've got Ronna McDaniel, who's an extreme disappointment for the Republican Party. And so how do you get over this part in a special election with a Democrat in an area that pretty much is well balanced between Republicans and Democrats and and get over that in order to get over the hurdle? It's it's definitely there's definitely some challenges for her. There are some challenges. And let's also remember, too, that this is going to they will be facing redistricting again. So and that's also not just a hurdle for her, but it's also a hurdle for Tom Swazi, because we don't know what exactly this entails. It could be more Nassau County. And if it is, then that's probably going to be a bigger advantage for Republicans. Republicans. True. And and again, I think and this goes back to what Tom Swazi has been doing. He has retaken the temperature of this district because, yes, Joe Biden won New York three in 2020. And but again, there was a it was a poll that came out. It was right around the time of Santos's expulsion. And and as I said, the mood has changed completely towards President Biden just because we have record high inflation and the big immigration problem and nothing is being solved by this administration. So there's still this little bit of hesitation to reelect another Democrat, even if it's to send a Democrat back to the House of Representatives. So again, that is something that Mozzie should be playing into completely. And my criticism with her is that the messaging is like, stop calling him. I would say quit identifying Swazi as a uh, member of the squad. Mm. I don't, I've never seen him as, I've never seen him as an extreme Democrat. He's not part of the AOC squad or anything like that. And it's just the messaging behind that. It's just, that's not what it is. Yes, he was a rubber stamp for the Biden administration and or Democrat policy after policy that that took place when the Democrats had the majority in the House. But but you cannot just by laying blame with him at that for the same reason as he is trying to associate her with Trump in extreme MAGA. And I don't see her as that. And she no. actually took a little heat the other day from from far right individuals because she said where she's at in the presidential, she said Trump is not above the law. And if he is the Republican nominee, she said she would support him if there's no, if he's not convicted of other crimes and stuff. So she kept saying he's not above the law law, and they're far right 
groups are hitting her on it and just trashing which is her. Which is crazy. Yeah. I mean, listen, Trump is not above the law. No one is above right. the law, right? And and so I think I thought her answer on that. So that's that's why when listening to her, answer. I thought it was a great answer. I thought she had a great answer on abortion. I thought she had a great answer on guns. I thought she had a great <clears throat> answer on the economy, on the border. I mean, I I agree with her. I agree with everything she had to say. I thought it was interesting how moderate Tom Swazi was in mm -hmm. comparison to where I, I had known him to be before. But yes, he had taken the temperature of the district. He knows where the district is. And and hitting him as part of the squad, he was never part of the squad. Even, even where he was on the political spectrum, he still wasn't. The squad is so mm -hmm. far off, off base that it, it's not anyone you could ever deal with. Whereas it's almost not fair to the voters in that district to say that Swazi is part of the squad because it is a more moderate district. However, what she said on on Trump and on the presidential total mm -hmm. was we've got two great candidates out there. I disagree. I think we only have one. I think it's only Nikki Haley, but that's a matter of my opinion. However, the way she couched it was when she kept being pressed because, of course, the, the press only wants to hear what your view is on Trump, as much as she was pressed, she held her own, she held mm -hmm. her ground, and she didn't let go of the fact that she will support him. However, if he is, you know, convicted of any crime, that's a game changer for her. And she will support whatever whoever the nominee is, as long as that person, <laughs> Trump, is not going to be convicted. And and I thought that that was a really, it was a very thoughtful question because most of the members of Congress are sellouts and have just decided that they're getting in bed with Trump regardless. And they're just going to say that jury of your peers means absolutely nothing. The judicial mm -hmm. system actually means nothing. And and we're, we're just moving along here. No, she definitely, she handled herself really well. And I, and just, and I keep thinking back to my time with the mass GOP and it's just, our candidates who were getting hit on the Trump question and just kind of not tiptoeing around it, but just trying to answer it as cautiously as possible. And I thought she did that, as you said, she did it extremely well when she was being asked about it. And it's just like, she doesn't want to upset a base, but she also, it's just, but she, this is how she feels. And I think it was a good, honest, it was, it was, I was honest, actually honest safe response. And and I do like it just this isn't about Donald Trump here. This is about Swazi and Mozzie. It's this is about this is a historic special election. And I, I really want to preface that that is it's extremely important because it reminds me of 2010 back in Massachusetts when it was Scott Brown versus Martha Coakley. It has that same it should have that same level of media attention because this is not a this was not an, a resignation here. Because someone had was leaving office to go be take a, a big job somewhere, big and job, or 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 unfortunately pass away in office. Right. This is an expulsion. So again, I mean, it should have that same level of attention, like a mass in Massachusetts or down in Georgia six when Tom Price went to go be the Secretary of Health and Human Services, and it was Karen Handel versus John Ossoff, and it was considered the most expensive congressional race in history. Mm. So I'm kind of seeing that it should be around the same as the most expensive, but also garner the most media attention right now, because it is George Santos's seat. And I would think that the Republicans in Nassau County should really be focusing in on this, because if it was flipped once, they can do it again with an even better 
uh, candidate, and because they're already making strides at the local level, you know, do it again. You've right. got, I mean, this is your golden opportunity. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that there should be a lot of attention. I think that there should be more, I feel like it's very overshadowed, unfortunately, also by the by the primaries and Iowa caucus and then New Hampshire and South Carolina. And I think that it's really overshadowed by that. And the media markets are so expensive right now, but but it is incredibly important. And it's it's important not just because it's a special, whoever wins now also has to run in November. So they have to kind of continue you your work to, cut out. <laughs> right you have your work cut out for you so for you guys listening this is this isn't a one and done it is you win and then you have to keep going and run another campaign for November not knowing who the nominee is and and then running it against Biden what whatever or Kamala or whoever the puppet master is so you have to run against that person but or on the same ticket but you know then we also run into an issue where if Trump is the nominee, we are likely going to lose the House and the Senate. And and if Biden is the nominee, we really need to really need quality people who are elected to Congress to make sure that our country stays on track. And so I'm not making a pitch here, but I am making a pitch here because I'm a Republican. But I mean, I think people should really seriously think about her and and why it's important for her to be there. Because again, she's been a legislator. She understands what it's like to have to agree and negotiate. She is a registered Democrat who votes as a Republican. So you put someone like that in Congress, there's a higher likelihood that she is going to be open to negotiating and collaborating. Also, we still have a problem with electing women to office, whereas women still only make up under 30%, about 26% of Congress. And so it'd be wonderful to have another woman there who actually understands the policies that are important right now. And so I think she brings a lot to the table. And I think it's important because, again, if if Trump is the nominee and the Republicans lose the House and the Senate, I would like to have some people left in Congress who are thoughtful leaders and are not there for their own egos, but are there and aren't there because they were, oh, you're the person who's going to win. It's because you actually want to be there. And I'm just going to say a mother of seven probably has much better crap to do than to leave <laughs> her family on Long Island and head to D.C. But anyway, that's my that's my own my own two sons. I don't know how she does it. I mean, to be honest, I don't know how she does it. Yeah. Mom of seven to do this. It, it's just like, you must wear a cape or something that just has superwoman on it. But, and she would be, I think the first, if she wins, wouldn't she be the first Jewish elected female in Congress on top of that? Again, it would be historical to see this woman win. And, and yes, this race is kind of under the radar right now, but a lot can, it's, as we're recording this, it's February 1st. A lot can happen between now and February 13th that the media could start to pick up on it. So there could be more of a conversation around it. And I do wish that maybe she would do more media because she seems to be very... She's savvy. She's very savvy. Yes, but too picky. Yeah. Way too picky. And I I just... I like If I were... If, I guess for me, I would just say I would want to be out there and I want people to know who I am and I mm. really want to show that I am I'm very serious about this but also I 
you want to get past like the ghost of George Santos past would be the best way to put it. So maybe I'm just, I just wanted to be as transparent as possible. And it's just, I would love to see her win. And I think in order to do that, it's just be very available. And she's getting this, these unfortunate headlines of she keeps ducking reporters and even Tom Swazi has invited her to do debates. And I will say you should do debates. I think that they should be debating and I, for her to not do it, it's like, I think you should. People need to hear you, but also I want to see you two line up together and just let's see the seasoned Democrat versus, well, still a registered Democrat, but you know. I see what you're saying. I mean, I think um, she, from what I've seen her interviews that she has been very, she's very well-spoken. She seems very knowledgeable, but the not debating and taking those questions and and having to go toe to toe with him. I mean, it's like Biden and Trump, right? Trump won't debate Nikki. And I doubt Biden will debate anyone, whether it's Nikki or it's Trump. And that's unfortunate, right? When Trump wouldn't get on the stage with DeSantis or Haley, it's the same thing. What What are you scared of? And at the end of the day, your job is to your constituency which includes everyone, even the people who don't like you. And so you should get out there and and take those tough questions. You do need to take those tough questions. And above all, the one other thing that got on my, I don't want to say, actually it did, it got on my nerves too. And this was not so much her. This was a, it was last weekend, there was a rally for her. And it included with Tom Emmer, who came up from DC or if I think, or he may have been back in his home state. I don't know. And then, of course, you had the New York members of the New York delegation, Mike Lawler, Anthony Desposito, Nicolota, and Nicole Maliotakis. They're doing this rally for her on Saturday. Problem. She observes Shabbat. And I this is and again, this has I have no qualms about her doing that whatsoever. But why would her campaign staff schedule this knowing fully well, fully well that she cannot be there? And they do this really odd, like they do an odd zoom for her and it's the strangest thing I had ever seen. And I thought, well, if, if that happened during, if, if anyone from the Baker campaign ever did that to to Charlie and Karen, holy crap, heads would roll. And not just in them, but any other campaign I've campaigns I've worked on. If the, the, the focal point of this rally is for you and you're not there that's embarrassing. And I, that's the one misstep that his campaign really did with her. It, it did her dirty, I thought. And it's just, why couldn't you have had the rally after the end of Shabbat on Saturday evening? Why couldn't you have done it Sunday morning? Like why Saturday when you know she is not, she's observing. Right. I, I agree <laughs> that that is an interesting waste of everyone's time. When it's a rally for her, it's not a rally for the Republican congressional delegation. It's just a poor reflection. I mean, and again, I don't blame her whatsoever, but whoever thought from her campaign staff that this was permissible is absolutely embarrassing. And I'm surprised that they are still, that they're still working for her because that was just, it was inexcusable. And if I were, if I were with Emmer, I would say, well, where is she? Right. Why, why did I come up for a rally with people who are already elected? And if we're, I thought we were serious about electing this woman to replace George Santos. And right. 
It's just my fear is that if she loses and if she loses by more than Santos did to Swazi in 2020, I worry it's going to give him such an ego. Mm. And he's literally going to say, wow, I did far better than Mozzie Pillip. And this was during a pandemic or I just, I could just see him really fun of this whole situation. And I just don't want to see that at all. And it's just, don't give this man an opportunity to push back because he's already, I guess he said in an interview somewhere that he is not voting in this special election. He said, I don't vote for Democrats. So I know, I know. Really, it's petulant. He's still- It's uh, just, I, I, I have a lack of words for anything. I mean, so you don't vote for Democrats, but she's a Republican who- is running as a Republican. She votes like a Republican and she's not a lying scoundrel who just creates fiction in her head and then puts it out there to the public as a sham. Oh, okay. So you'd rather, you'd rather think that yourself, the scam artist should be in office instead of someone who is honest and has already been elected and is hardworking and does what her district needs. Right. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah. And I mean, there were people criticizing. I saw that people were criticizing her for she used to know George Santos and she had pictures with him and everything. And it's just she was fooled like the rest of them. Right. Yeah. And so and it, it wasn't her job. Listen, it wasn't her job. You can't you can't fault her. It wasn't her job to it, it wasn't your job to go out and, and background check him before you work yeah. for him. Right. I mean, it's no one else's job except for the party to make sure that the per- person who's running is actually legitimate and mm-hmm. do the background check and to also make sure that from the opposition research that you know who you're running against and that and they've had they had twice two times not just once but twice to do the background check and to know who he was and so i mean any of us would could take a picture with someone and then all of a sudden be like mm, i didn't know that that person was a, a bad guy or a bad woman but i mean that's ridiculous that that's not it's- fair to put on her it's not fair, but you know, and it's so funny because I had recently spoken with my former coworker. He was the chief of staff and he just, we were just kind of having a little, just a chat about, wow, where we were a year ago. And he just said to me, when we were going into this in the beginning, we always thought we were just cleaning up someone's lies. Never did we think that this was, it was, there was no, little did we ever think that this was turning into an issue with DOJ and all the, like there's crim there's a criminal side to this and so i mean we literally just thought we were just working for someone who just had a lying problem and it's like i almost want to say now i'm just like wow so naive but also i think it's i guess it's just changed my perspective so much it's just well let's <laughs> next next member of congress if i ever work if i go back to the hill it's going to be did you go to the school where you said you went to school you did great <laughs> Did you go to, did you work at the, the places that you said you worked? Has it been confirmed? Great. Have you been indicted or are you going to be indicted? Okay. Or is there going to be an ethics investigation? No. Okay. Great. Uh, we're off to a great start here. And lastly, your family, or, or can we confirm if I hear that you had a relative that worked in the World Trade Center, I almost want to say, can you get that confirmed for me? And that's just so sad. Like it's that's sad. Because, because somebody went that far to say that they're they had a parent that worked in the world trade center and said they died first and then died again saying it was as a result of 9 11 
when in fact it had nothing to do with it because apparently she wasn't even in the country when it happened. It's just people should not have to ask these questions now. But because of him, they are going to be asked. Exactly. I know. And like I said, I hope that wasn't a poor joke, but it's just, but I've just never known anyone if you could say, how can you lie about someone who... I, that is, it's it's like desecration. It's, it's, it's so disrespectful dead. of folks and the families that lost someone on September 11th. And right. he has turned into such a joke. He is such a joke. And his background is a joke, but it's really unfortunate for the people who who suffered, right? And who continue to suffer because they lost a family member then. And and we don't want people to go around and making a mockery of of elected office in that way. Right. Right. So I'm hoping I'm hoping that yes, this is a historic election. I I have a lot of respect for her. I think that God bless her for doing this and for for taking the time away from her family and what is a nice position being in the legislature in New York in Nassau County and all the good people she serves with over there. And and I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful because I really think that she Mozzie is the kind of person that we really need in and for all of my joking that she's a registered Democrat who's running as a Republican, <laughs> it, it it's it's a joke. But at the same time, it's like how refreshing, right, to have someone who actually wants to go and bring in good Republican values, but come at it from a perspective of someone who thought that she was a Democrat, thought she needed to register as a Democrat, but as she has been going along and been elected and been voting in the legislature has realized that she actually agrees more with being a Republican. So she could see both sides. And and I think that that's super, super refreshing. And I wish her all the best. And, and I think that you and I and everyone else out there who lived through the George Santos drama on this side of the world and in politics and 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 his constituents, the the constituents of CD3 in New York, would like to move past this and put it aside and drown out George Santos for good, which which would be amazing. So all the power to her. And listen, when my space of wanting to see more women elected to office, I think it's great. So I'm going to encourage all my friends and family that are in that area to go out and vote in a couple of weeks. And it's what, February 13th? Yeah, it's February 13th. So fingers crossed. I mean, I'm, like I said, I, I'm hopeful. I hope she does pull it off. I really do. I think we need a, we need a fresh face in that district. And, and I get it that they, there's a lot of weariness with wanting to, it, it's, I think there's a lot of hesitation to elect another Republican again, because they, I think they've been, they still feel very um, jilted after the Santos circus as my one friend calls it. So, <laughs> but it is, it really, it, it really was. And I, and it, it, this, her winning would also just mean that Republicans can win that district no matter right. what. Right. Right. And that's, uh, and that is, again, that that's district that I was in and I, I'm, I'm hopeful that she can win. And I think it would be amazing to have her there and if she doesn't, you know what? She's got November. She she can try again in November and she'll have better name recognition and it will be more of a 
normal election cycle. But hopefully the New York press picks up on this and Santos can keep his mouth shut and we could, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if that's possible. The guy's nuts. Um, but Mesa, it is always so fun to talk politics with you. And, and hopefully we can do this again soon, either talk about the, the results of this election or move on to some of our other topics that we're always, always talking about. <laughs> Nace is one of my favorite friends to text about politics and and we live in different states at the moment. And it's just really fun because it is uh, one of the reasons I started this podcast was because I want you to understand politics and policy and getting out and voting and the importance of it. And so it's really fun for me to have friends, girlfriends who are in the same space that I am that are interested in politics and want to talk politics, want to talk policy, want to talk elections, want to talk the importance of it. Um, and so, Nasa, thank you for being one of my girlfriends that I love having these conversations with. Oh, anytime. I enjoy it. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you, Nasa, and thank you to you. Thank you for listening to Political Contessa. I'm Jennifer Nassor. I'm the Political Contessa. I hope you stay happy, healthy, and safe. And please remember, go vote. Thanks so much for listening to Political Contessa. For all the ways to listen and to get the inside scoop on what's happening in center-right politics for women like us, head over to politicalcontessa.com. Contessa.com.